welcome to Duck Blind. I'm Jill Schroeder, and this is our podcast from Grey Duck Gallery here in Austin, Texas. Currently, we have a group show that opened on October 16th called Small Acts. This exhibition includes four Austin-based artists, Batelahem McConan, Christina Coleman, Deborah Roberts, and Tammy Rubin. Today, I'm lucky enough to have two of the artists joining me. Hello, Christina and Tammy. Hi. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, joining us and taking the time. So uh, let's start off with uh, the title of the show. Can you talk about the meaning of small acts and how, how you all settled on the title? So the title small acts came from um, a number of discussions that we had amongst ourselves. So some Zoom discussions. And one thing that came about was that, um, you know, during this pandemic time, a lot of people are watching the same things on like a lot of consuming of watching of things uh, <laughs> on the streaming services ha- uh, happened. And one of those things was small acts, which is AXE with Steve McQueen, the filmmaker and artist, and how this was kind of groundbreaking where he has these five basically films about British uh, black families and people who are coming from like um, various parts of um, the diaspora and seeing their experience as first and second generations and thinking about how there's this like myriad of experiences um, of the black experience. And that kind of led us to thinking about like paralleling that to us. We are four black women, but our experiences are are, are varied, right? Right. Um, so um, Batalaham is uh, like an immigrant and from Ethiopia, even though she's lived in L.A. for a long time time um christina is originally from la um and then has family roots here in texas myself i'm from chicago and my family roots are from the south mississippi and tennessee and deborah is a a, you know an austinite we're different um you know generations you know some of us are generationally different and then just the the thing that unifies us is our exploration of the artworks that we make and so small x came to the idea of the the various experiences and the small kind of perceptual views that we take in our like our work and um, kind of in the everyday that um, leads to the material um, the material and the conceptual experiences that we put within our work. Christina there are two pieces in this show called lunar phases and black hole particle terrain. The core symbol in those two pieces is the Oreo cookie. Can you talk about how space, racism, and Oreo cookies intertwine in those artworks? The Oreo cookie, when I was uh, growing up, was uh, a cookie that you eat and consume. But it was also a symbol of someone who's black on the outside and white on the inside. And sometimes at school you would get called an Oreo and I thought it was interesting uh, thinking thinking about that concept, how race is condensed into something that we consume. But it's a very uh, it's a very complex thing that is um, condensed into something very simple. And I wanted to create this parallel between that and black holes in the universe. Um, because black holes exist around us, yet it wasn't until, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 2019 when the first image of a black hole was created or discovered. And so 
many scientists think that black holes uh, present all these kinds of uh, complexities for understanding our universe and the origins of our universe. And I thought that there was an interesting parallel between this Oreo cookie race and these black holes because uh, race, racism is something that is a part of our everyday existence. It's around us. And yet we're still finding out things about it, the effects of it, of racism, of race, and how we interact with each other. Uh, so I thought those were just interesting parallels. Um, and then the synthetic hair I thought was a good medium because it's very malleable and it's uh, it's something that's susceptible to like outside forces, um, uh, like heat. Like when I heat it up and I melt it with the heat gun, uh, I thought those that was also an interesting uh, parallel. So you've used synthetic hair for a while. How did you come to melting it, or have you always melted it into forms? Oh, um, not always, but at one point I wanted to uh, incorporate how synthetic hair is, uh, how I've used it in the past. Like when I was a girl, I would get by synthetic braiding hair, and um, one method of of braiding hair, braiding synthetic hair, is heating the ends of it so that it stays together and the braid doesn't become unraveled. Um, there's many different methods, but that was one method. So I wanted to kind of harken back to uh, a method that's traditionally like associated with the body and the hair. So that even though uh, someone may look at the material and not recognize it as hair, I wanted to keep this link to the body. And that's when I began uh, heating it. Great. So Tammy... Um, the cone shape is pre prevalent in the artwork on display for this show. Can you talk a little bit about your fascination with the particular form and how that has evolved for this show? So postgraduate school, um, I started to make, really explore mold making within my work. I didn't, I had never made any kind of molds before or did any kind of slip casting. And as part of that, I was collecting kind of ready-made things. Um, but these were things that I used in the everyday or that I could collect in the everyday. And so it was everything from um, packaging to uh, catering plastic. If I have a salad or something, I'd like keep the plastic. <laughs> um, and I came to really kind of obsessed with this idea of so many things that are either one-time use or so, or all the plastics that we um, buy that are like so trivial we just throw them away yeah. and really thinking about like the, the mass of the forms so I started um, to make casts of these things and I would make these ceramic sculptures almost like three-dimensional collages so I'd take a cast of one thing and another thing and another thing and then and they cut them apart and then um, uh, recontextualize them together and so one of those forms was the cone and so it becomes a little bit like the chicken or the egg um, I was you know kind of far along into that kind of work and um, my father passed away and I don't know if I had already been thinking about this or it was kind of solidified after he passed away, but this idea of um, communication, you know, beyond the, like our reality or um, having a conversations for people who are like no longer here or the way that we think about, uh, you know, wishfulness or magical thinking or suspicion. I mean, I was, um, or superstition. I was raised very much in the church. I went to like uh, Lutheran grade schools and high schools. And so this idea that you are, you know, talking or 
um, you're transmitting or waiting for some sort of receival from a, a force that you cannot see is not um, unknown to me. And so I started to make these kind of contraptions and this idea that they don't work. And the cone form became part of that. It seems to indicate um, this receiving of um like information or sound or um, prayerfulness or like wishful thinking or um, and so once I started to make the work I started to see these cones all over the place that I hadn't realized and then it makes you think like maybe I had been thinking about it before so <laughs> in Hieronymus Bosch for instance there are a lot of figures that wear the cone mm-hmm. and they usually represent like the fool um, the dunce um, or the, a doctor that's a charlatan. Um, and then I also started to see these references with um, the, I came across this, there's a philosopher called John T. Des, um, Dunsman, or no, Scotus, John T. Scotus, but his um, followers, they believe that if they wore this conical hat, that they would be able to, they would be smarter. They'd be able to receive information more clearly, right? And then how does that go from, something where it helps you become more intelligent to what we think of where it becomes foolish. Right. Right. So like, I like this idea of like functional things that have function, but they also become like symbols, these objects that hold specific powers and the idea of them can change. So we have kind of two um, works that are literally um, across the room from each other. Mm -hmm. And in one sense, these are these kind of wishful contraptions, this kind of magical thinking, this kind of waiting um, for something to occur or like um, being able to think of them almost like um, they are like sound pipes, um, sounding boards. Hmm. And then on the other hand, on the other side, we have these cones that also reference very much reference the Ku Klux Klan um, hoods and same form. It's just the way that you slightly change their yes. position. Yes. They become something else. Right. But within this particular body, um, th- those forms are called the always and forever, ever, ever series. Um there's the addition of um, the surface and what is the information that I'm referencing. Right. And this body, I'm really referencing the congressional districts of uh, Texas and specifically where the big cities are mm-hmm. and then how they're kind of divided up. Um, the idea of where uh, black bodies have migrated from and migrated to and how um there's autonomy in those decisions and then there's also all these forces that make it seem like an autonomous decision that is not and how their bodies are kind of controlled and so um it's been interesting to me to live in a state where i increasingly feel like my body um has less power in the way that my vote counts less right and so that became something that was like um I just started collecting all of these kind of congressional maps from um, Houston and Dallas and Austin and San Antonio. So how they're divided up. The the color palette seems um, a bit different from your past works. It seems more muted. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a reason behind that or? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, in the, in some of the other series, the contrast of color is really specific. Um, and here I wanted another kind of, I wanted a neutral tone that maybe is not specific to, I mean, literally in my, um, the one series is like one is white, one is blue, one is black, right? So yeah. we can make these other connotations. But here I wanted another, like, what is another color that can be muted and, um, 
and a neutral and also not to have as much of this contrast. So um, there's a lot of linear kind of like carving and incising um, drawn onto the surface. And instead of those line, a lot of that line work being contrasted, you wouldn't, you really can't see it until you get close to it. And so it also becomes kind of like, um, not just like a tattooing, but actually a literal carving, kind of a scarification into the surface of the pieces. And so I was kind of interested in that where, you know, it starts to disappear or as you look closely. Um, and then also light becomes because it, it may be clearer depending on, depending on where the light is. Um, it's also kind of a little uncomfortable. It's like such a dark color. Yeah. Um, that I wanted to kind of play with that, like without the almost like playing down. There's like, uh, there's so much mark making i almost wanted the form to become a little bit of a void mm. you know it's not it's there but the the color does not highlight it as such so that the, the engagement is much much more um muted in some way so um there's still contrast in the work but that that was i i was thinking about and i was also thinking about the idea that like um when i put various um other colored clays on top of that dark color when it fires it mutes everything so things that are very bright yeah uh, bright red mm-hmm. when i'm working in greenware which is unfired um the unfired porcelain goes on very bright but when it's fired that that surface that color that's in the clay it it it's so powerful it like just mutes it and i kind of love this idea of that pro- oftentimes like the way that i use processes also kind of becomes metaphorical as way as well right like those colors can't be what they are um how they would like to be as bright sure right? because they're literally <laughs> being muted by the surface on which they're put upon so um yeah so as i'm wandering through the show i see a lot of uh visual connections between the work um Deborah's hand, Deborah's hands and Betty's hands in the work, um, Betty's clocks and Christina's um, Oreos, um, the textures in Tammy's work and the textures in, in Christina's work. So I see the visual cues, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if you all could talk about um, what kind of threads you see through all four artists and, and your work. Um, Cause you know, I, it was so great that you all wanted to do this show. I know you're, you're all friends and, um, and I love all of your work. Um, and it's really great to see it all in the same place. For me, the threads I see in, uh, all of our work is an intent to, uh, alter, alter people's perceptions. We all approach that in various ways. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the clocks, the Oreo cookies, there's like similar colors, the hand, uh, the hands in Deborah and, uh, Betty's work. But, uh, we all have a kind of invested interest in how the black body is represented, how materials that are associated with the black body, black people, black culture, are seen, are represented in, in our world among us. Uh, for me, oftentimes that becomes like an initial uh, starting point and, 
and then uh and then the work kind of evolves from that but i think we're kind of just invested in in opening up people's eyes to uh changing materials in different ways that they haven't seen before so that like as tammy was saying there's all of these various associations with all these materials that we're working with in Deborah's work with uh, with the young girls that you see in this show, you see her constructing figures in the way that she is collaging uh, girls together. And the gaze is extremely important and it, it holds a power in that gaze and how we receive it and how we either stare back or our response to it. So I think that and I would say as well as like everyone's making these um, small alterations to change the perception. So, you know, seeing black children as black children is something that, um, you know, Deborah, like their joy, their introspective, the way that they, uh, their gesture, how they hold their, you know, how they hold their bodies, how they are able to play. Um, thinking about um, Bethlehem's work is the this a lot of times about being out in the world um, and in nature and how you can make these small alterations, these small acts through um, the way that she positions what is in front of the frame um, or mirroring back into the frame or thinking about... Um, like the different layers of like uh, actual viewing. And then I feel like with Christine and I work that we're both taking things that are very, um, that, you know, usually start off with some sort of function, whether it's the Oreo that you eat or, you know, uh, the hair or, um, like I'm saying, using catering plastic, like all of my, all of those cone forms come from something that already exists, whether it be a, like a funnel, um, or, uh, vintage lighting. And then we're removing that function it no longer functions as its original it cannot be consumed in the same way and so taking the banal and then um what what is it now what power does it hold um as these um like sculptural forms and do you keep some of the same some of the same associations you do keep and some are lost but they become these this kind of like new act and so i think the you know for me what's been really meaningful about this is that um, I've never been in an exhibition with um, three other black women artists ever. And so um, the fact that we already know each other and we're familiar with each other's practice that we can do this together um, really feels extraordinary for me um, as long as I've been um, an artist and in different communities and graduate school and such. So even the act of us coming together to make this work mm. in this exhibition space kind of feels like a revolution you know so um you know we're in various different parts of our lives and our careers and um to be able to have that conversation in the same space seems um is is meaningful to me that's that's beautiful wow (laughs) thank you thank you for that um I almost think we should end there, but is there anything else um, either one of you want to say about the show or your work um, that we haven't, I mean, we haven't talked that long, but, but that you want everyone else to know? As people come into the space to really um, spend some time because the way that the show is set up, I think it is, is really intentional as you walk through um, Grey Ducks Gallery, where the works are 
um, installed in relationship to each other. That kind of feels to me like a, a, an interesting journey. So um, I just hope people are able to come and spend some time and maybe bring someone who um, has not been in the gallery space before, who's, who's not familiar with, with the gallery. Um, and um, yeah, just wanted people to come see it. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been so great to hang out with you. And <laughs> <laughs> thanks for putting in the time for podcasts. I know how much, how enjoyable they can be. For and so thanks for <laughs> providing this opportunity to do this as well. Oh, man. I mean, it, it really is like, it's interesting, too, because, you know, how many times do you get to constantly be in a space and really kind of think about where your work is going to be? You know what I mean? Like, right. we're, so, we're all so familiar with the space. So, um I think that that was kind of like special about like, uh, like planning for this is that I already know what it is, you know? Yeah. 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 And I don't always have that, especially in the pandemic where I, I had shows where, where you never literally I never went there. <laughs> I've never been in the step foot in the space. So. <laughs> well, it's truly been an honor. I'm, I'm over the universe thrilled <laughs> to have all four of you in one spot. Um, so thanks, thanks again for doing the podcast. Thank you. Um, I want to thank Christina and Tammy for joining me on this podcast. The exhibition Small Acts will run through November 21st. I would also like to thank Scott David Gordon for producing the show and the Black Drum Set for letting us use their song, A Dangerous Drive. Thank you for listening. <laughs>